All right, welcome to the 96-Person Bringer podcast. I am your host, Brian Stoops. From the age of seven until I was 24, I was a professional magician in Southern California. Then I spent the next about 21 years focusing on courting my wife, marrying my wife, raising our two kids, deeply, intensely studying the martial arts, and being a professional educator. A few years ago, I started stand-up comedy. I've had some interesting results along the way. That brings us to the 96-Person Bringer podcast, where I have insightful, hour-long conversations with my comedian friends. Um, I knew when I started this whole thing, I knew this person would eventually be a guest on here. It was just a, a matter of when. Uh, we met at an open mic, and then we saw each other again sometime after that at like a showcase show at a comedy club and sort of reconnected, reestablished our connection at that point. She's been on several of my shows. I've been on some of her shows as well. Um, she's like producer extraordinaire, uh, really, I mean, creating shows everywhere she can getting up as much as she can all over New York City. Uh, and I, I don't think I'm, like, overestimating. I mean, we're colleagues, and we've also developed this really, really nice friendship. So I'm really looking forward to talking with her. Our guest tonight is Zoe Rosenberger. Hi, Zoe. Hey, I just changed it. <laughs> what? What's that? I just changed my name to Zoe Levy. I'm oh, I didn't know that. Name. Sorry, I should have updated you. It's totally fine. I, we have so, a whole state game update. Yeah, so we leave Um When we met, it was my first week of mics, and I was absolutely awful. And you gave me, like, the nicest advice. Like, I didn't meet that many great people in the open mic scene that week, first week, but, like, you stood out as someone who was genuinely, like, yeah, like, if if this if it doesn't go well, say, like, like you gave me, like, outs. Like, you sort of new and the kindest way you were like address it you know like address it and I really appreciate that so it was so funny when we saw each other at that new you know that showcase that right. like months later when I was like decent we're, not great but decent not no, for sure and we're always I think all the way we're always trying to get better and we always have off nights were you were you doing material about nannying like even at that mic yeah yeah, yeah. But it was about like an embarrassing incident, like one embarrassing incident, one story making it go over five minutes. And then my first like tightish five or seven for the showcase was yeah. like nanny, you know, like right. that's always. But I remember watching people's faces during that showcase going, they want to hear about my sex life. Like they're bored. <laughs> <laughs> like they don't want to hear about me. Move on my, to like, the sex I'm, stuff. Like, my frustration with these fucking children you know oh can i not swear is it fine no it's fine it's okay. we'll, we'll just mark it that that that's what's going on it doesn't make any difference uh whatsoever so no you get comfortable and just like comedy however you want to talk is however you want to talk so mm-hmm. we are going to move into our first segment so 15 minutes. Again, there's no pressure. The timer just kind of keeps us. We try to keep episodes to about an hour. Uh, We want to know your story, your history as a comedian, um, your journey, and then kind of like what you're up to now. Anything else that you want to promote, we will circle back to how everybody can follow you on social media and all that good stuff at the end of the episode as well. 
but this is like 15 minutes. I had my little intro, but here's 15 minutes. Like, tell us your story and tell us what's going on with you and comedy. Yeah. Okay, great. Yeah. So I love that I can see the timer. That's very helpful. Um, So my background. So I sort of, I teased my parents in my early 20s after graduating college because I was like, I'm going to go to law school. I'm going to become a legal research, you know, scholar, professor, law professor. Um, And I worked at law firm for a year and a half and I studied for the LSAT for a year and a half. And then I just was like, my boss is great and I'm so bored and I don't want to go into this profession. Like, like most of the people I don't like, you know, I I just met too many law students and lawyers and I was like, I don't want these to be my colleagues for the rest of my life. You know, like no shade against lawyers, but like, you know, some of them suck. Um, And I thought about it. I was like, Oh, like in undergrad, I love my philosophy professors, you know, like not my legal, like they were kind of mm, difficult, my legal, you know? And also I realized that there's only 200 laws. I've, identified there's 200 law schools in the u.s versus like 4,000 colleges and universities mm-hmm. so i was like oh as a law professor i'd be so much more beholden to potentially it's so much hard, it's so hard you know to get into academia to begin with but i was like okay legal academia is not for me and it's also like pretty inaccessible you know it's like the upper echelon of society gets to go to law school whereas i feel like it's a bit more it's more middle class college even though it's ridiculously expensive mm-hmm. um so then I teased my parents by going to Columbia and acting like I was going to become a philosophy professor for two years. And then I was like, you know what? This doesn't come naturally to me. Like I, 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 it, before I went to grad school, I got interested in comedy when I heard that the basis for a lot of comedy is outrage. And I went, Oh, I'm outraged a lot. And I guess if I'm funny, people will actually listen to me and my outrage. So that's sort of where this came from. It's like very much to have a voice. Um, it's not just like, honestly, I'm not that interested in entertaining people. I just know I need to as a part of the job, you know, that you need to be to. And I just think there's, yeah, we'll get into that later. I feel like, but um, yeah, so I've been doing comedy since <laughs> it's really awkward. My, my open mic anniversary date is Juneteenth. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's horrible. It was just like a day my friend who does open mics was like off and was like willing to go, you know, like off of work. And so like we hung out before we went over my set, my bad set that you saw me run at the end of that week. Like, like we met on a Saturday and my first open mic was on a Monday. And then I do like, um, like Tuesday, it, it uh, not QED. Um, what's the other Queens one? Um, well, what's the name of that place? You know what I'm talking about? I, I know the one you mean. I can't think of the place. Yeah, it was like a late night mic and right. there was rose in the front who were like weaponizing their laughter like they were laughing but I was like I feel horrible and I took Wednesday off because some older gentleman took me out to 11 Madison Park nothing happened on the record um (laughs) he offered I didn't have to do anything uh (laughs) and so I had to take Wednesday off but I was sort of like oh this is valuable and then I did a mic Thursday I did two mics Friday and then I met you I did two mics Saturday and I met you Saturday at Eastville and like the first mic it was great because you were there and other people and Roe v Wade had just been overturned that Friday everyone did a very funny riff on a very funny you know everyone was like doing really good material like people who are actually experienced comics um and I was just like running my anal you know my like anally foot set you know it's like I have to get this down and um yeah, so I remember the 3.30 was lovely. It was diversity. And the 5.30, it was like all white men or mostly white men. It was all men mm-hmm. in the room. And I got like the, a dude did the most inappropriate 
the same thing that that comic did on your show that was inappropriate? <laughs> that sort of question where you're like, like, you shouldn't be inquiring about this, you know, like that is just so inappropriate. Um, I'm going to get back on track, my comedy journey. So yeah, so I, I bombed horribly my first showcase. Mm-hmm. I think it's absolutely insane that these comedy classes, like just to name names, Manhattan Comedy School. It's absurd that they have you do like six weeks of classes, like six sessions with the teacher. And then the teacher like doesn't have the time to like, like they put 20 of you in a class. The teacher does not have the time to allow one, you know, to like actually help you craft something worth doing in front of like a hundred people, you know, and they encourage all these 20 people to bring at least like five people. Like you don't have to, but everyone brings like five people or if not more. So then it ends up being like, 120 to 150 people in a room mm-hmm. where like you're supposed like it, it's just it's absurd I, I think it's so horrible that they like have you do the showcase so quickly like I think it and, and it that was your a lot first of people out. yeah it was my first experience though yeah it was horrible like yeah. I forgot lines I forgot the good punch lines that there were many you know like uh, like the comic in the back they liked me so they started laughing even though there was nothing to laugh it was like pity laugh you know it was horrible um and I think it's a real testament to my fortitude that I kept going. Uh, the truth is the first class, I didn't really understand what was being asked to me. It wasn't really, I, I didn't like my teacher. She was cool, but she was like, I don't really have a formula. It's sort of like you feel it out. And like, uh, you know, she's like, that's going to be gold. Like they, they want, they need you to be confident, but they don't like tell you the reality because they need you to do the showcase because uh-huh. they make money off you doing the showcase. You know? So it's, I, I personally hate how capitalistic comedy is. Like I'm in comedy for like social change, but I understand how much it depends on how many seats you can fill, sure. you know, like your early success or, or honestly your later success. It was put to me so crassly at an open mic my first week at the Broadway mic. Um, this woman was like, you think Amy Schumer is uh, like selling out, is performing at Madison Square Garden because she has big titties? No. It's because she fills seats. This is a bringer industry. And just like realizing like, oh shit. Yeah. Like it's not even like you, ha- you should be funny, but it's not even about that. It's about filling seats. It's about like giving the venue. It's, you know, the requisite number. So that's, I try to not get bitter about it because the whole world revolves. I, I like look at things. And I'm like, things like this makes no sense, but only because of capitalism is this happening. You know, I'm like, this is so wasteful. We're just hurtling toward environmental catastrophe because of the system under which we live. It's very frustrating. Uh, so how do you then, you have that experience. Oh yeah. You're, I, you're doing things all the time. And I mean, like you've gotten yeah. into a lot of great venues. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm on at New York Comedy Club this Saturday. I'm super excited. Fantastic. So, so walk me through that very like difficult showcase to like where we, where you find yourself today. So the owner of the school saw me do horribly and he like had me walk out and he was like, you did, they just couldn't hear you, which is bullshit. I like asked my friend, I was like, could you hear me? She was like, yeah. <laughs> like he like lied to me and was like, and then was like, oh, you do book research? Like, if you help me with my book, I'll give you a free class. And I'm like pretty broke. So I'm like, yeah, okay, that sounds fair. You know, so that's an experience we shouldn't get into. Uh, it was very creepy. But uh, yeah, I'm sure people who like know the comedy world are like, I know who you're talking about. But anyway, uh, yeah, so in the second class, I took it very seriously. And I was going to open mics. Not enough. I was doing like two or three a week. And my good friend Greg was like, you're not doing, you know, like, if you want to improve, you got to like, do a bunch. You know, it's very true. Like, there's no substitute for stage time. That's really there's no other way to get better I mean you have to 
spend time punching stuff up and ordering it and writing, of course, but you need to get comfortable on stage. And I don't think you're going to be funny or sound like yourself the first 50 times or six months, depending how much you do it. You know, like, I feel like I started to feel sound like myself, like three to five months in, you know, and I only feel like I found my voice in the last two months. And I, I know I'm very lucky to have found, to feel as if I found my voice in the first two years, you know, but I also know that my humanities background gives me this like perspective of like this, like macro perspective of the world that most people, like I was so lucky to get to study philosophy and get to study like critical theory and social theory and political theory that like, I spend a lot of time trying to understand how the world works, like why things are the way they are, you know, like what are ethics? Like just the most basic that like, it's not useful to our capitalist world. Like people, most people don't get to spend it. So I, I know that I'm very, and I also went to such a hippie undergraduate institution, Campshire College, that like everything was like race politics, class politics, gender politics, you know, sexuality. Politics. So I just was like steeped in that. And then I went to Columbia and I was like, oh my God, like, this is what a real educator, this is what like, uh, you know, it was just like, um, yeah, I'm very fortunate to have the humanities background, but I have no acting experience. I have no theater experience, which is, you know, like the theater kids, my friend who's a theater kid was like, yeah, you're like, as a theater kid, you're the best for like the first six months. And then you start to lag behind. <laughs> you know? So, um, but I know there's questions that, yeah. So, um, so I, I took it very seriously and I did very well on my showcase mm -hmm. uh like for me you know like I sent it to my mentor and he was like it was fine <laughs> right. like I really appreciate people who don't bullshit me you know like the issue is like 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 when I when like someone like doesn't do well and you get off and you're like great job like everyone wants to tell you, you did a great job and when they're like yeah pretty good and you're like oh that was your standard you know that's like okay you're never gonna improve if you, you're not like I need to be killing like I remember not doing that well this summer at room 52 and my friend Jack like penning off after and he was like that was good and I was like no it's fine he's like yeah it was fine <laughs> like you have to hold yourself accountable mm -hmm. to how you're really doing and sometimes it's the crowd but sometimes it's you you know and you also need to identify that like I didn't do well at a modern orthodox Jews all modern orthodox Jews and they're all virgins and I didn't know that going in and my material right now is very pro-sex you know so th they were like we don't relate like they were like this jewish girl is very secular <laughs> but yeah so um background yeah so i started really i feel like what really changed for me or really what helped me gain comfort is hosting an open mic okay my first open mic that I hosted, I guest hosted New Year's Eve because Ruben, you know, my friend Ruben didn't want to, it was, like was busy, right? New Year's Eve. Like it, it was like 3 p.m. on a Saturday and I was like, yeah, I'll do it. And I remember realizing how much work it was. Oh. Thinking about wanting to host one and not really getting to until I went to my friend Chrissy's new talent showcase and like seeing Felicia and then emailing Felicia like mid-January being like, yes, I would love to host a mic. Like I loved your comedy. Da, da, da. And she was like, yes, okay, great you know so she's like yeah pick a time slot so I figured so I was like I, I looked at the schedule and I was like Wednesday at three like I'm going to Victoria you know there's like one mic that I don't love I'm like so why don't I start my own mic that time you know and it, it a mic really attracts the, the the people you know the host of the mic really attracts the people who come right. to the mic I had such a fun mic today it was 15 comics I love like 14 of them dearly, you know, or 13 of them dearly. <laughs> you know, there's, of course, there's always a couple. You're like, okay, you know, yes, I'm providing a space for you, but I don't have to really be subjected to this. <laughs> Five minutes of my life chipped away at a time. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, 
uh, that, I feel like that was a turning point. Like February 1st was my first open mic that I hosted and it was light at first. It sucked. You know, it wasn't great. Like I remember like desperately telling the comics, like come to my mic, you know, cause I was trying to make it like, there'd be like five of us. And then we do two rounds of five though. And it was like kind of a blessing. And actually my mic is not, it's on purpose, not on bad slava. Cause I don't want the whole world to know about it. You know, yes. like Sonia Blackout was like, when I was a great, she was like, and I was like, no, nope. like, I'm not trying to do that. Um, so yeah, I feel like hosting the mic really, and, and I also, I lucked out. Um, it was just luck. Like, like my neighbor who I nanny for, ironically enough, uh, no Ben and Michelle, you know, know this couple, this producer couple and was like, talk to them and gave me her number and I call her and she's like, and like, this was sometime in like, like early September. She's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like October night, you know, come through, like come do my bar show. Right. And because of, and I didn't do you know, I didn't do enough time. I was nervous. I was so new. Like I did well at the showcase, but I couldn't handle a bar show yet. You know, like that's a beast. <laughs> you have to be a good comic to handle that. And then I, I met Eugene, my co-producer, and he was like, oh yeah, like come do my, you live on the Upper East, come do my show in the Upper East. Like it doesn't always get a crowd. So I like to get comics who don't have to track, you know? So I was very, so I, I went, so I did his October show and then he invited me back to the November one. I remember being so polite and excited. Like I came in a day early. I was going to like stay in terror, you know, like being like, yes, I loved you. Thank you so much for thinking of me. And, and like, I came to the city a day early. I put on makeup. I put on a crop top. I went down to my bar show, you know, 76 and second. And there was no one. And they were like, we're going to call the show. And I was like, no. And he's like, unless you want to bark. And I was like, yeah, I'm not like below barking at all. Like about barking at all. Like I will definitely bark. And I go outside and I bark and it's just creepy men who come up and are like, you're on the lineup. I'd love to. And they don't even come in. Like I like end up like at the bar. Like I beg a few nurses. I'm like, please, I put on mascara and a crop top. And they got it. They were like, yeah, girl. Okay. <laughs> so I came to the back. And they watched the show. And because of that, Eugene was like, shit, maybe I need a co-producer. He's like, want to co-produce? And I was like, let me think about it. And like a couple of days ago, I was like, yeah, I'll do it. You know? And I like December, like I like, like reached out to like everyone I knew. I was like, please come to my show. And it was like packed. It became a standing room. And like, I didn't, frankly, I didn't book strong enough for that. You know, I, I know I lost some people for that. Like, like, cause I didn't know how, like, like I, I just, I'm so grateful that I know so much more about producing. Like producing is such an art form, you know? Um, that I really like it, it was really just chance that like I got connected to these two producers. I, I met Eugene. He had, you know, like it was really just like luck, like, you know, because that like I, I, I have so much fun at my I had it last night, my bar show. Like I write. I didn't last night because I was trying to run my stuff in your comedy club. But like in general, I can just write on stage, you know, like even if it's like four people. I have so much fun with it because I'm comfortable in the space, you know, like right. you connect with the people. And that's great. Um yeah, I just started a new to promote. I just started a new mic Monday. It's not great yet. Help me get it great. Monday, whiskey seller, 8 p.m. <laughs> awesome. uh, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, oh, yeah. I, one one thing I love to promote. I'm producing a show um, at the whiskey seller Sunday, November 26th, calendar November uh, Thanksgiving break with Andre Mitchell. It's a very interesting, um, battle of the sexes style. So it's not a roast, but we have three sets of comics, male and female, who are going to run their sets and the audience gets to decide which one they preferred. I think at the end, like, I think they're going to tally it and they'll announce it all at the end, you know? So that's super exciting. You know, that's like, it's like he had the idea, like I approached him about producing, but he had the idea and like, we're very happy. It's Mika Movers, Adam Mueller. Um, we're hoping Sonia by, we haven't secured her yet against Crenshaw White and then Humza Chowdhury against Sarah Barnett. So that's our first show. So we're very excited. Awesome. Yeah. And we'll make sure uh, for everybody watching and listening, we'll make sure we have all of Zoe's information in the text 
um, underneath either the, the podcast download or the YouTube video, wherever you might be watching or listening, uh, so that everybody can make sure they go to that show. That sounds awesome and know about uh, Zoe's mic. So uh, some questions then, and like I try to not, unless there's something that I just can't, like I try not to editorialize after every, you know, question, after every answer, like yeah. just because it's it's your episode. Um, and so we're just going to kind of roll merrily right. I'm an only child. I love this. Um, so it's, it's, I mean, it's perfect. (laughs) It's like, I already did my episode. That was the first episode where I, I did both jobs and (laughs) that, that episode is there. So now I get to talk. I'm going to watch, I'm going to go back and watch that. That sounds Um, and now I get to talk to my friends and hear their answers, uh, to these questions. So who are your comedic influences and what do they mean to you? And it certainly doesn't just have to be stand-up comedy. I mean, this is whatever you'd like oh, to talk about. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, so my biggest comedic influence would have to be George Carlin. Like, I love how he understood. Like, for me, the potential of comedy is, like, the power to change our social worlds, you know, to get people to see things with a new perspective. I think that's so valuable or so, like, like, I just know there's, like, the path, whatever. We'll get to that later. Uh, comedic influence. Yeah, Carlin. I love the way he, like, critiqued the, war, you know, like, war efforts. Like, he really, like, was like, what are we doing inside? Like, he really was able to, like, look at something. But I would, like, like, I watched one of his specials, like, a year ago. And I remember being like, wow, the first 20 minutes he's going into, like, the Nam War. You know, like, he's, like, going into how fucked up this is. Like, what we're doing to these people, you know? And then the middle 20 minutes, he's doing stupid observational humor just to keep him there. He's like, you ever like go into a room and you forgot what you have to go back? Like, it's so stupid. And then he closes his last 20 minutes or like powerful social stuff. And I love that. I love that. Like he understands that he has to balance that, you know, and he has a very interesting uh, career path that I read his autobiography and it's very last words. I highly recommend it. Um, I don't have time to get into it, but. Well, it's funny. He, no, I will for a second. It's so funny. He went into stand up because he thought it would help him become a movie star. Mm. And he was like playing to the mainstream audience for years to please his mother in part and to get on movies. And then he sort of did. And he, he was never, he was like, I'm, I was never a good actor. <laughs> you know, like, like it was never my craft, you know, which I, I feel that way too. Like, I don't want to, like, I feel like I'm going to only do like film or TV if I have to, to get an audience, but I'm trying to not have to. That's sort of my goal. Like, I don't want to have to do that bullshit Hollywood scene. You know, I just want to like be a pure stand up, pure, like Anthony Jeselnik. That is, I love Anthony Jeselnik. I love how his jokes are self-contained. I love how it's a comedy of words, but also he doesn't, his comedy doesn't have what Carlin does. He doesn't, it's like, it's like a vacuum, you know, like it, it doesn't reflect, like we both know his jokes, you know, like. Like, it's beautifully dark. It's beautifully written. Uh, it's fucked up. You know, it's not meant to, like, <laughs> influence your moral sensibilities for the better. It's not going to hurt them. You know, but, like, I mean, if you're a bad person, it'll hurt them. But, like, you're already bad. Already. I don't know. So, um, yes, I love Anthony Jeselnik. Like, I love what he's, like, I just, it's so funny. But it's like, it's like, that's pure comedy. That's pure entertainment, you know? Like, and it's just, it's so well done. I love how he doesn't waste your time. I, I love, you know, he talked about how, like, he has this killer joke about, uh his killer joke 30 second joke perfect joke and he did it at a comedy festival and all these other comics were like oh my god that's such a good joke you can make that five minutes that 30 second joke could be five minutes and he was like why would i do that to people 
Like that is the perfect joke. Why would I waste their time? Like, I love how he like respects our time. You know, he's like, I'm like, he, I love how he like punches. And that's what I'm honestly trying to do, but it, it is socially, you know, reflecting, right. but that's what I'm trying to do. Like I like punch, 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 like joke, 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 joke. Um, yeah. So another influence, um, pretty recently, Sarah Silverman, I watched her Jesus of magic special and I found it so great. It didn't age well, but I love it as a comic. I'm like, that's hilarious. Uh, we talked about it a little bit. Yeah. I love, like, I love how she's controversial and she's unapologetic. Um, I love Mark Maron. He's an exceptional comic. He's like, I feel like with his last special, he said like, he's finally figured out how to say what he's been trying to say since the beginning of his career. Um, and I love how he's very much like, like up on anti-Semitic, you know, like he, like the way he's culturally critiquing is in Carlin's legacy, you know, and I really appreciate that. But then at the end of the day, like Jess will next pure joke writer, like Mark will find like funny, you know, Marin will find funny in the story and Jess and Nick will just write a joke that's fun you know like like yeah so it's different but I'm definitely trying to be more like Carlin and Marin than Jess and Nick but I really admire Jess and Nick's joke and Catherine McKinnon yeah legal feminist like scholar that she dedicated her life to like helping women and I really admire her for that um like she pioneered the sexual harassment as a legal concept as a harm that women, you know, that ought to be, uh, she's exceptional. She's like defended victims of genocide, you know, like rape and genocide and all that. Um, she really, like, she didn't have a family. She hasn't had kids. Like she's just a perfect, like she's a pure, she's made such a difference. She's given so many great speeches, written so many great articles. Like I wanted to be like that, but for like the other animals. And then I was like, oh, but like people don't read. <laughs> I need to, yeah, we'll get into that later. <laughs> gotcha. All right. Thank you. Um, I know I said I wasn't gonna, you you named a couple people that I really really admire for sure absolutely mm-hmm. uh, so we're gonna move right along and and again there there will be some overlap and I mean you've already talked about some and it's totally fine right so don't feel like oh I already said that I mean this this is a conversation and so if we circle back, double back, it doesn't really matter. But uh, about five minutes in general, we know doing stand-up is hard. So why why do you do it? Because there's pathos to it, like I said before. But like the, there's there's so much um, people's guards are let down when they laugh. Mm-hmm. It's unique, you know. Like I know that um, people will be more like feminism, like, like I remember like years ago watching this boy, I was briefly seeing right after college. Uh, we were watching one of her specials and she has the great, the, the best, the great joke about how like, like being catcalled on the street and being like, fuck you. But then the second you turn, you're like, Oh, I hope he doesn't kill me. <laughs> you know, you're like, Oh, and like, it was, she made it so funny and it made me cry, you know, like, like, cause I really related to that, you know, but like, like that was just so incredible to be like, wow it, it infected him he was like oh shit like he was a good guy but like yeah. he never like it i just like there's so much pathos it's really about pathos when people's guards are let down with the laugh they are going to be more receptive to an idea than a speech or an argument unfortunately like i spent so much time like arguing and comedy really is arguing if you think about it it's really just making an argument funny like it's really just arguing a point mm-hmm. um yeah stand-up's hard everything's hard <laughs> but yeah it's i mean i grew up I grew up horseback riding where it's like focus on 12 things 
but smile, you know, like make it look, make it look easy. Like we shouldn't be re- knowing how much you're focusing on. And that's exactly how stand up is. So I, you know, I love it. Nice. All right. Um, so just again, we will kind of continue and the timers are the time and blah, blah, blah. But um, for sure, we're going to move forward. So what is your process as as well as you can describe it mm-hmm. for writing yeah. and sculpting material? Yeah. yeah. So um, honestly, I, I feel very fortunate that I that I'm able to generate material without forcing myself to sit down. Like I know Seinfeld is like right for 20 minutes a day, you know, but I'm like, I come up with so much in a day. Like my problem is like making the time to go back and go through everything I've written and punch it up enough. Cause I come up with joke premises all the time. Like I, like I was literally on the bus on my way home here and I, uh, and this, this girl's on the phone and I was like, it's pretty obnoxious on the phone. Like this blonde privilege upper, you know, I'm coming from the upper West upper East. I'm like, fucking bitch. you know, I'm like, I know your type, but I'm like, but she's being quiet. She's not actually talking that much. Like, uh huh. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, I think like I, I've been there where like your friend needs to talk to you. She's going through it. And you're like, like, okay, yeah, yeah, tell me, tell me. Yeah. And you're like, I'm not going to talk that much. Like, you know, I thought that was that. And then I heard her and I wrote it down because it's such a ridiculous line. Yes, I do. Because when I had a pan- the panic attack and was hospitalized, that was when we were at St. Christopher's. Like, that is such a privilege. You know, I'm like, that's so funny. But like, I, I really should get better at compiling stuff because I do have all these notes where it's like over on, on the Upper East Side. <laughs> like, you hear the most ridiculous shit, but that's not what my material is that much about. But, uh, yeah, I feel very fortunate that, like, like you know, when I do yoga, I bring a journal with me so I can, like, jot down. Like, I used to not, and then I was, like, trying to hold, like, three to 12 thoughts in my head, and it was super stressful, and it wasn't at all restorative. <laughs> so, yeah, so I, I feel very fortunate that, like, I don't have to force myself to sit down. And, like, comedy, academia didn't come naturally to me. Like, I had to take Adderall and finance to write a great paper, mm-hmm. you know. I don't have to accommodate it hurts if I take it, you know, like it just, but I need to make the time. And I do make the time before mics of sitting down, going, I'm very fortunate. I will write things in my notes app Mm -hmm. and then, and it's connected to my computer and I'll have a Microsoft word document next to it. And I'll go through what I've written and I'll pull it with pertinent. And then in the word doc, I'll order it and punch it up, you know? So that, that's how I do it. That's my process. But I feel like ordering matters so much and I need to spend more time working on the ordering of jokes because I feel like I know they would hit stronger if I spent more time I do but I just don't I just feel like I never spend enough I need to start blocking out time in my calendar of being like this is time to just do your shit to like focus on the craft you know like I know that I'm letting great joke ideas pass me by and it's a problem got it um I was gonna ask you what your logistics were, but you kind of covered it right at, at the end. I'm always curious. Yeah. You know, do you use your phone? Do you use a notebook? Do you computerize? I, yeah. I'm not as good as I should be about getting what I write into the notes. I was like in January, I had my shit together. I was like, I'm, I'm trying to get back there. Okay. I was sober in January. Now I'm sober again. <laughs> so like, I'm going to get back there soon. Uh, and I have something very fortunate, which is I, okay. The truth is, I wanted to do stand up for two years before I did it. Oh. Right. I heard the outrage thing. I was interested, but I was like, so afraid of bombing, like as a woman and like, as like a bourgeois woman, like we're not supposed to go out there and like express our emotions. Like that's very, 
you know, it's a faux pas. Um, so yeah. So I like, so I have this document that's literally 35 pages. It's not comedy. It's just, it's just like outrage. <laughs> then I'm like, that could be funny, but none of them are punchlines because I know how to write a joke. So I literally, I haven't gone back to it because I don't need to, but I definitely will one day. And like, that's what comics I admire say. They're like, like, maybe it was like, I forget who, like maybe Joan Rimmer. I don't know. I don't know. Where they're like a file. I think, no, it was George Carlin. It was George Carlin. He was like, file everything away. Like I have a, like I have a, you know, like this huge thing. And I look, you know, and like, I'll go back. Like, usually I'm like, oh my God, this was a great joke premise, you know? Like, so I sort of feel like I had this trove for if I run out and my life gets too busy to generate that I can like go back and be like, oh, that's good. And I know now how to punch it up. Like Marin interviewed um, Patton Oswalt and uh-huh. Oswalt was like, for like, I feel like now I'm finally able to do things that I wanted to do, but I just didn't know how. Hmm. So I like nice. looked. Yeah. 35 pages of outrage. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> no jokes yet <laughs> um so would you and again you, you've already done good. some of this but like what's yeah. something you're working on right now mm-hmm. in your comedy uh is it a bit a skill marketing are you working on your hour like what's going on right now in your practice yeah so I'm always working on bits I'm always adding to them and trying to like sometimes I'll like come up with one line and I'll be like what should I grow out of this? And I'll be like, oh shit, this is actually what's going to start another joke that I already have very polished. You know, I'm like, oh, like this just happened the other day where I'm like, and I'm going to do it in your comedy club Saturday. And I'm like, like I practiced it today. I practiced it last night at the show where I'm like, okay, like this joke that was a good joke. It's even stronger. If I do this funny line at the top that if I do, it's funny, but it's not funny enough, but now it like has legs, you know? So that makes me happy. Uh, so yeah, I'm always working on stuff right now. I'm very conscientiously trying to work on a few things. I honestly have a list of like, things I need to improve or honestly classes I need to take. Cause I have no acting abilities. Mm. I have no act out abilities. Mm. I'm very rigid and I'm, I, don't, I don't dance. I'm too Jewish, you know, like I never learned how to dance. Um, like I know this is a disadvantage, you know, for me on stage. Like you're sorry to interrupt. You are, are you still taking improv? Right. So I, I am halfway through right now, UCB improv 101. Um, and I definitely pissed off the teacher day one by being like, I'm doing this to get better at stand up. She's like, fuck you. <laughs> She's like, that's not what for. <laughs> so she doesn't like me, but it's fine because I'm learning. <laughs> I I wanna take uh honestly I wanna I wanna this is so embarrassing, but I, I know I need to take clowning class so I can learn how to emote with my body. Cause I'm not good at that. But like okay. like this comic in the scene, like open mic scene, he's so funny because he's has clowning abilities because he's a clowning coach where he like knows how to be like which I don't like uh, I never I took one acting class when I was 14 as part of a summer Putney summer travel like it was like bullshit you know and I remember thinking my lines were really funny and being really pissed when I performed them at like the final show and like no one was laughing I was like what I was was trying to make this funny like (laughs) I took it very seriously um so yeah I want to take acting I want to take dance I want to take clowning I need to keep taking I'm gonna take a second improv and then I think I'm gonna call it uh just learn their philosophy and get out. Uh, yeah, the improv world's weird, but not the standard world's not. But like, uh, there's a fifth thing, but clowning, acting, character work. That's what I want to get into. Character work. Mm-hmm. Cause 
And we did that. We did that in class the other day. And it came so naturally to me. Like I jumped in the middle and I was like, I was like, my name's Delilah and my best friend is Ashley. And yeah, she's a bitch. No one likes Ashley. And I was like, oh, I can make fun of people like by like embodying them. Like I sound too mean because I love ripping into people, but like it's so much better if I like, and this is what I love about philosophy was an imminent critique where you get into the logic in order to un- un- undo it. Right. And that's what character work is. If you're really critique, you know, so I want yeah. So that's the last one. Um, I have no marketing abilities. I'm going to be honest. Like I'm able to write like a nice Insta post, but I have no idea how to do that. Like how to promote on Eventbrite, how to, all I have is like a strong, a lot of social capital, a strong network of people. It's not that organized. Like this morning in yoga, I was literally like writing down, I was like, invite Stacy to the show on the 26th, you know, where you're just like, you have to invite like a hundred people to get 20 to show up. You know, I know that like, but it's so frustrating because then when you invite those hundred people, the 80 who can't make it are like, oh my God, I can't make it. But like, how are you? And you're like, I don't have time. Like, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> like you're trying to not look like an asshole. Be like, no, no, no but this is like work for me. Like, I, like, and and for me, I feel like honestly, my shows are like, like with my people, like bringing, like, I don't want to waste their time. Like for me, it's like maintaining a brand, you know, where I'm like, I need all the comics to be up to a certain standard where, you know, cause like I produced, like, I didn't know at the beginning, you know, that, you burn social capital if you don't produce, if you don't book strong, you know? So I'm trying to get a third show going right now. Uh, I am. I have a co-producer. We're like, we're figuring out the best venue. We're like at the best. And we have like a backup and a backup and a backup and a backup. So we're slowly, we're waiting to hear back from the best one. Uh, and yeah. Nice. All right. So we are going to move right along again. Would you describe, and again, you might have already spoken to some of this, but would you describe any positive milestone in your comedy experience? And you can certainly talk about more than one if you would like to. Um, yeah, when I felt like, I, I really feel like there's phases. I know that there's phases of stand-up. Like there's a phase where you like don't know what the fuck you're doing and you're just like on stage trying, you know, like you're like, you're like blinded, you're like stressed, you don't know how to take care. It was like this in grad school. I didn't know how to take care of myself at first. Hmm. Like I was sitting all day, you know, in grad school, like I, and like, I wasn't feeding myself, like I wasn't feed, like I didn't know how to like hydrate myself well enough. Like, 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 like I, I just, I feel, I know, I know how to take care of myself in the open mic scene at shows. Hmm. Like you're just so fucking stressed before a show, like you're sweating, like you're, you know, like it's just bad like at the beginning and you just have to work through that <laughs> you just have to keep doing it until you're like okay I got it you know but it takes so many like so many steps and I could sketch them out but it'd take too long uh but I yeah there's a point where you're like literally tied to your script you know this you know where you can't deviate and like it doesn't land you don't have the fuck to deal with it you just keep going like they're not buying it you just keep going you know and then there's a certain point where you luckily build up enough material that like like when i'm when i go to the show saturday i'm gonna say to the host and be like what are they like what's the crowd like are they old are they tourists you know okay if they're old i'm gonna do more dirty they like dirty because they can't but they love it you know like there's certain like tricks that you learn that's like so valuable like modern orthodox jews okay i'm one two three you know like like shit like that um yeah but so there's there's having enough material but then there's also having the ability to react to them reacting which is Mm -hmm. being present and like i developed that at iggy's i'm like i lovingly call it my crappy bar show because that's what it is you know but i learned so much there 
know, I learned how to write on stage because I'm comfortable. I learned how to react to them react, which is funny because you're actually engaged and in the moment. And, you know, I try to, I, I never try to pander or capitulate to, to the audience, but you have to tailor your material for them. Like you have to do the jokes. Like I was in the Poconos and I did a joke and I did like a, like I, I like I, they weren't like fully buying what I was selling. And I did this joke, right? I say, and it's an all black audience. And I say, I'm, I never did a football player. Um, and then I go, oh, it's not a white one. And I, I, that was such a like sellout line where I was like, that's not true. I wouldn't date any football player. Doesn't matter if he's white or black, you know, like I'll date, I'll date like any race if they're like my type, you know, but like, and like I talked to, cause I was an opener. I talked to the guy who like, you know, I was opening for after and he was like, no, that was good. Like black guy. He was like, no, that was good. Like you're pandering. I was like, I don't want to pander though. <laughs> you know, he's right. like, you're playing into the stereotype of like white women with black guys. And I was like, yeah. And I felt dirty. The second I did, I felt like I, it wasn't genuine to me. Like I was doing it. But like, I felt bad about it. I think they could tell that it wasn't, you know, like, hmm. I really love stand up for like, it's authenticity, you know, really, I feel so much more self actualized, actually, because of doing stand up. And I feel like it's like, broken down like a certain like shame barrier. <laughs> like if you bomb enough, like just like a person on the street can't embarrass you. <laughs> you know? yeah. like, no, I bombed in front of 150 people before. Like, this is fine. I don't give a shit what you think of me. This is the great anonymous city. I'm never going to see you again. If I do, fuck you. You know, like, it's fine. Yeah. So I, I really do feel like stand-ups helped me um, become more of a person, more, more of a self, self-actualized person. That's awesome. Uh, our next question is sort of the opposite. And again, there may be a little bit of overlap with what you've already spoken to. It doesn't really matter. Would you describe a time that you learned an important comedy lesson by having a negative experience? So many, so many, where do we start? Uh, how negative can we go? No, I'm kidding. Um, it's really hard. Uh, uh, I remember sort of wanting to at the beginning like like Ruben sort of like like reined me in was like 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 because I just because he there's this like I we like me and all these other people used to be like there there were clicks there's clicks at his mic you know and it's very competitive and like I just sort of feel like I felt when I went and they went like we you know sort of giving it up everyone's giving it up uh, people go but like not these groups not me and these groups uh I, I knew they didn't like me you know and I knew that things weren't landing. And, and I felt like it was misogyny, to be honest. Like, I felt like I was a difficult woman and they didn't want to fucking hear it. And I remember the first joke I, I landed for them, I wrote for them, which is, well, yeah, of course I'm concerned with losing my youth because then I'll be left with what? My intellect? Who wants to hear women talk? Yuck. And they all found that hilarious because they're like, yeah, we don't want to fucking hear you talk, you know? Like, and I'm like proud of myself for being like a difficult woman and saying what needs to be said. And pe- most people, you know, like I'm happy with that. But like they really ma- like made me feel unlikable. This clique of people, this group of people, which by the way, cliques don't get far. You need to be in many scenes. You can't just have one little fucking homogenous group. That's like, and they're like, we're going to love for each other. You know, that's so stupid. But uh, yeah, so I wanted to like, like I definitely like laugh. Like I, I would literally write a set. Like I literally remember going there and being like, you male comics are so lucky because, you know, I bet that producers aren't trying to sleep with you and like, <laughs> and like doing that. I mean, like, listen, if I'm going to suck a dick for stage time, it's going to be a famous dick. Okay. <laughs> like literally being like, like, Ugh! and like, but wanting to be like mean and Ruben being like, so you don't want to come back ever again. Like, like he was sort of like, uh, but I, like, I don't know. Negative experiences I've learned. Like I did a show a couple weeks ago 
in Astoria and I'd done it a couple weeks before and it was a packed show. It was 60, 70 people. I killed that minutes off book. I was super proud and I expected it to be that. And I came with a friend and then it was just two other audiences, my friend and me, <laughs> like the host, another comic, yeah. the producer and another comic came and closed it out. And like the host just didn't treat it seriously because they were, he was like, I'm just going to talk to you guys. And he was like, actually, I should have been doing material. You guys are paying attention. And like, he was just like, well, there's no people here. Like, and I was just like, ugh. Right. I know. It's like, don't fucking do that. That's such a bad. Yeah. And then the like next woman, like, and I went up and I did my set full force and like, they loved it. You know, we had a good time. Like, cause I like took them seriously. Like, it's like, it's only gonna be a bad show if you make it a bad show. Like three people, that's still three people. Like you're still here to entertain three people. Like don't just drop the ball because yeah. So it's more like, like I really like watched other people or I watched certain like older female comics who are established, but not well liked because they're not in touch with people. You know, like, and being like, I don't want to become like that. Like that is a model of someone I really don't want to become. And I'm grateful that I'm, you know, I see what they're doing and I have perspective, you know, I have perspective and yeah. Right. Um, And and that is something that like, I feel compelled to, if there's eight people in the audience, like, I think it's your responsibility and the responsibility of everybody on the show, we're going to put on the best show we can for the eight people. Cause this is the crowd. The crowd is it's not, not your ego. If you're like the laughs aren't loud enough. Cause there's eight people. It's like, shut the f- it's fine. Like no, you're doing the thing. Destroy those eight people. Exactly. Yeah. Make an incredible it's, memory for right. those eight people. For ah, them and people. You, it can be a blessing, you know, yeah. like when there's four, I love it when there's like four people at my bar. Like, right. like I love, love it. Cause then I can like literally watch their faces and like, right you know react to them react right. like really be in the moment and personalize the set to them and it's it's for sure. great for sure and those there's a lot of potential for something really special going on so no i um i mean i also spend a lot of time hosting and it's like yeah, such it's i really admire you for hosting it's so difficult i i did it i lucked out my first time i did well second time i did so poorly yeah um, it's hard it's so hard it's, it's really it's hard really, yeah. It's like taking the bullet of the bullet. <laughs> it, it is. It's it's really not your, I mean, if you have a great set as the host, that's a wonderful bonus for you, but that's not really your function. It's not. Yeah. Um, and, and one of my pet peeves is a host who just, no matter how big the crowd is, they just mess up the energy. It's like, what are you doing? Like Honestly, what my bar show was like that it? last night. We brought in outside, and the second he starts doing, he starts doing jokes. They're pedophile jokes, and I'm like, "Fuck, this is gonna be awful," you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, 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 for sure. Um, you know, Zoe, as I've as I've presented this question, like this was meant to be kind of honestly a positive question, and I'm not. I, so I'm gonna start probably start qualifying this if I don't rewrite it. I wasn't necessarily thinking about like death when <laughs> I hear when I'm using. I didn't, I didn't, don't worry. I didn't but, interpret but, it that way. Um, but you know, I, I mean, yes, we, we'd yeah, all. No, we're we'd, working toward building a comedy legacy. Yeah. yeah. So what beyond the money? And I mean, let's not pretend like the money's not important because it certainly is to be able to do this full time would be absolutely incredible. Um, you know, and I mean, fame brings with it larger audiences and other, I mean, that's really how I think about fame is like just that's access why to the people. To hustle name is to influence more people. Right. You know, like yeah. I honestly, 
didn't want to be famous. <laughs> I feel like so many people are like, I want to be famous. I'm like, mm, I don't. Yeah. I really like my anonymity. I really yeah. like being able to tell someone to fuck off and not like having people write about it. You know, like, yeah, sure. which makes me sound like a horrible person. No, you know, I, I like being able to go out on the street and not, you know, like I, I yes. like that I'm a nobody. In a sense. Yes. You know, I like that it's low stakes, but Absolutely. I know that there's something very wrong and rotten about our culture and society. And that it needs to be reckoned with, you know, like I want to become as big as Sarah Silverman. Like I want to have that big a voice. I want to have that big a platform. That is my goal. You know, like I, that's why I really look up to her. Cause like, like she, she was doing it like, fuck, she, she got, she was so lucky, man. Like the fact that like at 18, she went to NYU, she studied philosophy and her dad, and she started doing stand up, and her dad was like, you're really good at stand up. Like, why don't you like not enroll in NYU, I'll pay your rent, you do open mics, you sit in on the classes, you like become good. And at the end of those four years or three years, she was on in the writer's room of SNL. Mm-hmm. And by the way, they didn't take any of her sketch. It was horrible for right. her self-esteem. Right. Like, like it didn't help her, but, but like, like she kept going, right. She persevered. Like she like figured out her brand and she developed her shows. Like she really is a powerhouse and I really respect that. So my dream comedy legacy is like having as much of a voice as like Carla, you know, like influencing our culture being like, this is what's wrong. Like, I'm not saying we should do like, like male dominated communism, but like capitalism is clearly not working for us. Like it's such bullshit. Like there's so many industries that's you know that are like have a vested interest in me like no but capitalism is the only way <laughs> you know i'm like let women take a crack at socialism like it's always been like male dictators that of course they fucked it up you know like that new zealand prime minister i don't know her name i really should she did it very well she pulled up remember how well her covid response was like if we had like competent women like not power hungry but competent women by the way mexico is getting its first female president next year uh yeah so that's exciting kind of uh <laughs> Cause it's very violent country, just like ours. Um, yeah. So that's, that's my goal is to like, is really just to like emphasize to the world and to people how women and like, like, ev- like everyone, but mostly women and like people of like a less privileged background and like people in the minority are rendered more vulnerably situated are more vulnerably situated as a result of what we do to the other animals how we disregard and disrespect them just because they're property, just because we're more powerful, just because they're not smart enough, you know, like, you know, that's so messy. Like there's so, I know that there's so much that violence begets violence and that women are literally like, like assault and rape, you know, like we are just culture, like we're just so much more vulnerable to physical and emotional abuse because of how we treat the other animals. And I've written papers, like I literally dedicated my academic career at Hampshire and at Columbia to these things. And I like forced professors at Columbia to grapple with this, you know? I've turned multiple, I turned a professor at Hampshire vegetarian, you know? Like he was eating chicken, like, and his wife and his son, and he wrote to me like after, and he's like, like your papers, like really convinced, you know, like I really, like I really want to have an influence on people. Like It's not right. It's fucked up. I was, I'm biased though. I was raised vegetarian. So I'm like, we don't need to eat the other animals to be like very strong. You know, like I have no, I don't, all I take is B12, you know, like, but I know it's like privileged to be able to eat a healthy diet, you know, to like, no, like it's like, it's, but we subsidize the meat industry so much. It wastes so much water. It's polluting the world. Like it's just so bad for the world. Um, and it's because of the capitalist industry powers that be, you know? So I want to really take a crack at that. And I know it's very ambitious and I'm not doing it yet because I know I'm not there yet, you know? Like I've just started really 
doing feminist stuff in my work. You know, the jokes are really like the punchline is like, men are my predators, you know, like, and I'm doing that. But I know like six months in my best friend, who's like <laughs> a militant vegan like me was like, so you've been doing it six months. Why don't you try to do veganism now? That's why you got into it. Animal rights, right? And I tried and I did it. And sometimes it worked, but sometimes it didn't. And I'm like, I can't build a career if I'm like antagonizing, you know, like, yeah, I'm playing long game very much. Um, I, I don't want to pander to you. I very early into all of this, especially when I was doing way more mics than shows. And I mean, I'm very lucky right now. Like I, I, I'm sort of doing what exactly what you're talking about, which is like, I have regular show opportunities. So I'm developing a lot of material in real time in shows and it's like that's a that's a great luxury but Mm -hmm. i mean as a producer i love balancing i try to get an equal number of men and women on my shows yeah Yeah. and like when i was an open more of an open micer i mean it's not like i'm done it's not like i'm above it um just i'm lucky to be where i'm at at this moment it's kind of like you know how how many women how many women are in the room because like there's a certain like open mics when you're the only woman how many angry male comedians talking about their penises (laughs) are are on this mic (laughs) and and so i mean and that's not there have certainly been some women comedians that i'm just like oh that was horrible so i mean nothing's a given yeah um but i any more worse men yeah yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I've always, you know, like women get out quickly if they can't figure out how to get good. Like right. men just like stay in the scene. So right. many male comments are like, should I quit? And I'm like, no. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just keep going and get out. Yeah. There's a door. Yeah. Um, all right. So 10 minutes, we certainly don't have to fill the whole time, but, um, why don't you, kind of let us know where we can follow you. Remind us one more time of everything you've got, you know, going on. We'll certainly support that in the text under the episode. Just kind of let us know where you're at and where to follow you and how to keep up with you. Cool. Yeah. So right now, by the way, full disclaimer, I only got on Instagram this year, the beginning of this year. I got on social, you know, because I was like an academic. I like <laughs> had the luxury of just being on LinkedIn and like day one of open mic. Like I remember like Barry at like, like Barry, you know, at my first open mic on Juneteenth being like, hey girl, if you on Instagram, like I'll follow you. And like, and I was like, I'm not. And she's like, oh, that matters. Like so many comments were like, that matters. Like you got to get on the gram. Yeah. And I didn't understand the importance. And now I'm like, half my life is the gram. Like I hate it, but it Matt, like Emma Willman started following me this week. You know, that's like huge. She liked my reels. That's huge. You know, she'll do my show. Like if I get, you know, good enough one off the ground, like the gram is how you connect with people. Like you can't ask these big comics for their number, but you can add them on Insta and like, you know, so I'm on Instagram. (laughs) It's a long way of putting it. I, yeah, whatever. Uh, Zoe Levy comedian. Yeah. Right. Uh, is my current is my handle is, uh, I'm saying, uh, yes and we'll make sure we have that and then remind us again um your weekly schedule as far as shows and mics and locations right so this saturday i was honestly it sucks i was supposed to be on a show tonight in brooklyn and then i got asked to nanny and then hang on someone's calling me 
And then, um, yeah, I was asked to nanny and I was like, okay, it's deep Brooklyn and like, just crappy washer. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll take, I need the money more than the, you know, yep. uh, and I recommend a friend, a female comic, you know, and she's, she's doing it. And this morning I get a text that's like, Hey, we don't need you. <laughs> I'm like, fuck. Oh man. But I'm turning it around because I'm going to the stand at nine. I'm seeing my good friend Alex Rabanio and I'm going to try and connect with Mark Norman and be like, do my show. It's good enough. You know, so I'm like turning it into a blessing, right? Like it's really about like jumping on every networking. Like my friend produced a show that had Ari Shafir, right? I went there. I went and I met Ari Shafir in the green room at New York Comic Club. Um, and I was like, do my show. <laughs> And yeah. now I have his number, you know, like I'm very lucky. I'll do my show in December. He's touring this month, but like, it's really all about connections. And I know that I'm at an advantage for like, not, you know, for being a woman. Like I, I do have an advantage there. Um, Cause there are a lot of men like, like it's, it's, it helps to be a woman, but then you have to deal with the sexual harassment of being a woman. So it's a double-edged sword. Like it's, yeah. Um, so I, I really want to promote the show November 26th, Sunday, uh 8 p.m whiskey cellar east village super super cute it's just you know you produce a show a great show there that i've been on uh it's a small space like we like we're only gonna have a certain amount of seats but the audience gets to decide and i think that's so cool because i feel like the audience doesn't really get to say a lot mm-hmm. you know like they're really just like passive audience members but they get to be like active and like decide and i think it's you know like we're really like we really have to like you know like we're gonna get you on soon like really have to like get people you know the same like level so like they have they both have a chance you know or like i'm yeah um my bar show my bar show at iggy's is uh in two weeks it's on the 21st uh if ashley gavin is in town she's gonna do it because she'll, she'll she wants to <laughs> uh yeah which is cool and interesting and uh <laughs> um I worked her show Sunday night, which is not to say I performed. I like did set up. It was so funny because like during the show, she was like, I employ queer youth. And like, I'm tragically straight. Like my like queer friend was like, Hey, I can't. Can you cover for me? I was like, Yeah, totally. Like, sounds great. Emma will be like, love it, you know? And, uh, like she's like, for you through the show. And then like at the end of the show, I'm like breaking things down and like carrying like eight chairs, like to the back room. And I hear a couple guys like, Yeah, clearly she's a lesbian about me. <laughs> I didn't correct them. I was like, I don't give a shit. It was so funny. Like, oh, because I have a work ethic. You think I'm a lesbian? <laughs> like, don't kick straight. Some of us have worked. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, if you're a comic, come to my mic Monday night. I'm trying to make it, but you know, we need to grow it. 8 p.m. Whiskey cellar <laughs> Monday nights every Monday. Uh, my mic at Westside's great. Wednesday, it's a great vibe. A lot of women. All the women who come are like, this is my favorite mic in the city. Like, this is great vibes. Like, I don't put up with. Like, I remember like. A month ago, a guy like during a set was like, yes, that was a six. That was a seven. At the end of the set, I got up and I was like, yeah, guys, quickest way to piss me off is by ranking women, you know? And I like shut it down. Like today, a comic had like the most disgusting act out about being like, about seeing a kimono dragon eat a pig. And it was the most disgusting. Like it was just gross and there was no purpose to it. And at the end, I was like, guys, I'm trying to put cigarettes. Like, don't talk about this is not a clean mic, but don't talk about animal abuse. Like that's going to really make me want one, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, yeah. yeah. So there's that. So yeah, I have two mics. I have two shows. I'm trying to get a third one off the ground with Vishal. Uh, he's great. He's a great comic. Um, and he's a great following. Uh, and he gets the social media game in a way I, way I don't. And he's going to do the marketing that I don't know how uh, to do. So that's really great. And I'm going to do like all the 
I offered, like, I was totally like, I will do, you know, he's a real job at Google. He's like an engineer at Google. I'm like, I will do all the work. <laughs> like, you just have to like tell your people and show up, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So um, I'm excited for that show to get off the ground. We're trying to secure the stand, which I know is arrogant, but like, yeah, like, you know, if our ship will do the show, we'll headline it, you know, yeah. have a chance. Um, awesome. That's why I'm trying to meet Mark Norman tonight at the stand to be like, will you do my show? <laughs> or, you know, like in the future. Uh, I know your wife. She's lovely. <laughs> she is. <laughs> May. Um, not super well. It's not like we're friends, but I know her. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm sure we'll say hi to each other at holiday parties in December. <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. So that's, it's just like being in the world, you know? Thank you so much, Brian. Well, thank you, Zoe. Uh, so again, for everybody watching and listening, we'll make sure that everything Zoe just went over is available to you. And um, probably the easiest way is to follow her on Instagram. And then I'm sure you'll get all those. But we'll yeah. have those individual. Yeah, you know, yeah all, all of that. So make sure we're following Zoe and supporting her in all things. Um Again, just to wrap up something Zoe was saying, and I mean, a lesson I learned recently, you know, as a producer and maybe and or a host, you know, super important to have rules. And it's like, I'm an educator. Yeah. Um, And I'm an educator by day. So sometimes it's like, I don't, I don't want to have a rule. You know, I, I do comedy, so I don't have to do rule, but like, no, that's, and that was a learning somewhat recently for me is like, no, I gotta, I gotta make this really explicit, like no sexual harassment audience or other comics. I haven't been saying that. And it's like, no, let's just make that one of the other things. Like I'm, you know, I'm not going to dictate anybody's material, but let's just put this on the table and let's just get agreement um, so that we don't have to deal with anything like that uh, from anybody. And um, I think when we're real explicit about expectations, some people are going to be who they are, but, you know, hopefully we can kind of cut down on bad behavior um, the majority of the time. And uh, that was something, uh, a show you were on and and a lesson that I kind of took Love. away. <laughs> and, and it's, I, I know we discussed it, but like that became a thing. And I dealt with it by publicly shaming him to all, right. cause it was like all female audience and it was an all black all female audience. Yeah. So I like turned to them and I was like, ladies, don't you love it when a man inquires about your pubic hair? You know, like it's a fucking ridiculous, you know, for someone to do that. Like, and another comic was like, yeah, but it's worked from a bunch, you know, that's why he does it. Like it's worked. Like he's got laughs, you know, and technically that's the golden rule. If you get laughs, it's like, I'm not going to do fat jokes just because it gets laughs. Like I have moral standard. Right. And so, you know, Zoe's done a bunch of my show. When I, when I produce something, usually there's a group thread on Instagram and I probably over provide information. It's just kind of my nature. And so like one one of the the other producers, you're like, how much time? Where is it? When is it? Like, I and these are all things that like I've worked with people and it's like did I mean you learn from did, what not to do yeah. did you want to give any information about the show that you're producing in a couple of right. hours like that I'm right. supposed to be right. doing so um so I'm probably the opposite but but right after I mean that became a thing that I send with all the usual like hey I'm not gonna I'm not here to 
censor anybody's material but the one thing we're going to have to agree on is like yeah, no sexual yeah, harassment yeah. um you know it's from either, pretty, you know. men to women women to men men to men women to women like i let's let's just not do that um period you know so that became one of those things um anyways zoe thank you so much for a great conversation yeah. and a great episode Thank you for being here and being awesome. And um, I look forward to, you know, the next Zoe throws these amazing comedian cocktail yeah. parties and mixers. We, and... We have a few normal people just because we need to, you know, it can't be all comics, but right, right. I've been crafting a list, honestly, for the winter season. So, <laughs> and the uh, uh, the civilian she invites always super cool. Uh-huh. And I've, I've just I've I only invite lovely comics is the trick. Like the civilians are going to be nice, but like yes. you have to be like, yeah. yeah, comics cool and funny, but do I trust them? And right. you know, like with like with yeah. the civilians, <laughs> yeah, can can they be a human being um, for right. the evening? So right. yeah, um, and so I've, I've second they have one beer in them, you know, right. <laughs> no beer, <laughs> right. no no filter anymore after the single beer. I hate when like someone tries to get someone else in, and I have to be like, no, right. like. They're like, they have nothing going on. I'm like, that's their fault. Like, <laughs> have, this, like, have they thought about where that is? Fucking capped. Okay. Like, I expect three people, three to five people to drop out. Damn, that's fine. There's still 25 of us. You know, that's great. It's lovely. Absolutely. Okay. Well, I have to run to an appointment in a minute. Otherwise, I would have, this would have gone on for two more hours. For sure. So, uh, Zoe, thank you so much. And everybody, please make sure you are liking where you can like and follow where you can follow. And we thank Zoe Levy for an absolutely incredible episode. I've been Brian Stoops. Thanks again, everybody, for joining us on another episode of the 96 Person Bringer podcast. Everybody be well. And until next time.